Oh, so anyway, but the bar we normally go to turned into a strip club last night, unexpectedly. Okay. Very interesting and unexpected. Unexpected. Came to the best part of this story, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to just like ease people into it. Like, yeah. um, we, we yeah. just both had late nights. That's what we were talking right, about. Yeah. We did we're doing Halloween things, I guess. Were, were you were you as well? Uh, not me. No, I was, I was definitely uh, had like a much, much more boring night, I guess we'll say. Uh, <laughs> That's yeah. not bad either. I have regrets. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some things I'm not proud of. Usually the um, best nights have regrets attached to them. Yeah. Yeah. True. But again, legally, if they're, if they're still wearing like pasties over the nipples, it is technically a burlesque show and therefore legal. So don't call the fucking cops on us. Um, <laughs> Even though one girl definitely got completely topless while stripping, so I don't know what to say to that. So <laughs> anyway, we left because I was like, I don't know that this is what I was gonna do tonight. <laughs> it's like we right. went to like yeah, we went to like a different bar to just like hang out and stuff. But um, anyway, so yes, end of the story is it was a very late night uh, too. But uh, in order to make sure I'm not hungover, I'm drinking some more alcohol right now. To sort of balance it out. Oh no! So you're basically living like Sterling Archer right now, is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, you've got your you've got your alcohol. I'm drinking pre workout to wake myself up. <laughs> Jeez, I d- I did this morning when I woke up. Drank a bunch of like the like electrolyte stuff water. You know, Gatorade. Mm-hmm. I, I actually yeah. feel a lot better. Like so. Pedialyte? Not Pedialyte. It's like this um, it's like this Mio thing, but it's like special electrolyte um, one. It's good. It's good. You just put it in water. You know, it's good. You know, Quentin anyway. from college, he tried to gaslight me and tell me electrolytes weren't or electrolytes weren't real. Is this the like <laughs> electrolytes? Shitty, shitty, is this shitty white Quentin? Not the one who's a doctor, right? No, the one who's a doctor. <laughs> the one who gaslit me oh, and he was told me the electrolytes you. aren't real. Yeah, he was okay. gaslighting. Jesus. Okay, I was about to say like he should not be a doctor if he doesn't know electrolytes are real. Um, okay. Anyway, so uh, welcome to Game Busters. This is a podcast from GameBuster.com. Uh, you know we like to keep it fast and loose here. Um, so every week uh, we usually do a deep dive into a, a franchise that we uh, uh, love or a game that we love. We are kind of pivoting the the show a little bit because I'm trying to line up some uh, game developers and people who work in game development. And uh, got a few lined up for the next few months, actually, hopefully if they come through. So, um, But yeah, we are starting that today. So I'm Nirav and I am your host this week and I am a floating quest icon I've decided to be. Okay. Um, yeah, and I'm joined by my Amazonian co-host, Alyssa. Uh, Alyssa, what feature of an RPG would you like to be? Um, I don't know, an NPC. You just want to be a generic NPC. Yeah, I don't like being in the spotlight. I'm, I'm glad being an NPC, and I always tend to have the best attachments to NPCs. Okay. All right. Yeah, you know what? There are some lovable ones out there for sure. And so this week we have our special, uh, special guest, David, uh, who is a voice actor, correct? Uh, correct. Yeah, that is uh, one of the things I do anyway. <laughs> oh, awesome. No, that's that's even better. Um, so yeah, and sorry, pronounce your last name for me. Uh, sure, it's Giltonen. Giltonen. Okay, mm-hmm. great. So yeah, welcome, David. Uh, so this week, yeah, we're going to be talking about um, a few things, but kind of focusing on, on voice acting in the industry. But like, we can definitely, I want this to be a lot more um, semi-structured or unstructured than anything. So any tangents that you want to go on, I'm happy to follow. But sure. let's uh, let's sort of <laughs> ease ourselves in. Uh, what's everyone been been playing recently? So David, why don't you kick us off? What you been? What kind of games you've been playing recently? 
Uh, I've actually been uh, playing like some Steam games lately. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to think, uh, I did uh, just recently beat uh, Cultic. Uh, if you know about that, uh, I've heard like... of this. It's like the cult manager game, right? Uh, no, no. Uh, so Cultic is basically like a retro FPS, um, very much in the same vein as oh, like say okay. like a Doom or like a Wolfenstein. But um, mm -hmm. it's uh, it's got like a really cool uh, like just uh, just like a really cool visual style to it where. Um, it's like heavily pixelated uh, of like real life things. It seems uh, at least that's oh. what I, I gauge like how the how the visual style was made. Uh, but otherwise, it's basically like a retro FPS, and it just plays really well. And it's like you know, it's just super awesome. And it's only ten bucks too, so it's pretty great. Is this, is this the kind of thing people are calling a boomer shooter now? <laughs> yes, yes, this would be classified as a quote unquote boomer shooter. I don't know where that name came from. I've not heard that term before. Okay, I've, I've yeah, started hearing all it those recently. polygon terms. Yeah. <laughs> Um, oh, that's that. This is the one. I, there's another game called Honey. I joined a cult. That's the cult manager game. I was thinking. There have been about. a lot of cult themed games lately because there's also Cult of the Lamb. Cult and, of the Lamb, of course, which is a great yeah. game, by the way. Yeah. Uh, and you can check out our review of that on uh, YouTube.com/slash/GameLuster. So, um, yeah, that's that's pretty cool. So, how have you, were you a big fan of like the original Doom as well? I was, yeah. Um, I mean, like, I played the original Doom uh, and the original Wolfenstein 3D, actually. Uh, yeah. I remember in my friend's basement. <laughs> I remember. Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's, like, it's kind of like that, like, you know, the cool neighbor's basement that has, like, all the games. And, yeah. And like, even had, like, a Hot Wheels track down there, too. Oh, my it's God. Just amazing. Yeah. Dude, the dream. I, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember when I was, like, younger, like, the, the game that I played in my friend's basement all the time was, like, he had like a sick setup during the Xbox 360 days. So we would like hang out down there and play Call of Duty Zombies just like all night. Hmm. Um, it was good. It was good times. You and sound younger than me then in that case. Yeah. Possibly. How, I don't know, how old are you? I'm 39. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm 29. And Alyssa's, are you four or five? <laughs> Listen, I'm 25. Come on. <laughs> Fresh out of the womb. I know. <laughs> Very young compared to y'all, I guess. Let's go. <laughs> I'm only four years older than you. I know, I'm an old man. Yes. Um, but anyway, yeah, no, we're... So, yeah, I, I never really was around... Like, I've, I've, you know, since gone back and played a bit of, like, original uh, Doom. I haven't really tried the old Wolfenstein games. But, like, yeah, definitely missed that, like, on the growing up part. Um, you definitely got to play Wolfenstein 3D at the very least for the uh, very uh, culturally insensitive German that they use in that game. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> It's it's crazy. <laughs> we talked about Wolfenstein on the show like probably fucking over a year ago, but like I remember seeing that like the original games were actually like two D stealth games somehow. Yeah, yeah, they, they were like side scrolling Wolfenstein games as well. Yeah, yeah. Wolfenstein three D came out before Doom. Is that right? Uh, yes. Yeah, Wolfenstein yeah. predates Doom. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Yeah, Id Tech did some really cool stuff back then. I mean, like, I think, every, and then everything was called like a Doom clone for like five years until people oh, realized first-person shooter was its own genre. Totally. Yeah, because uh, Id Software is like early history. I mean, like they did like Wolfenstein 3D and Doom, obviously, but uh, at one point uh, they also made a PC prototype for Super Mario Brothers 3, which they showed off to Nintendo, and wow. Nintendo was just like, "No, we don't want." this basically <laughs> come on so, so that's when it software made commander keen and that's how the commander keen series ah uh, wow that is cool yeah anyway i'm, I'm glad it's software still in the game still doing stuff um because they're yeah. uh ish <laughs> well i mean <clears throat> yeah some 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 remnant of it but um yeah. didn't uh, anyway so <laughs> yeah yeah is 
did John, is John Romero still there? He's still around. Yeah, yeah. He has his uh, Romero Games, I believe, is his studio. Yeah, game. he has his own um, studio, right? Okay. Uh, he's over in Ireland now, actually. Cool. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's that's pretty neat. Yeah, I've not really tapped into the the old uh, stuff there, but I, I should probably do that. I kind of I need to just like immerse myself and like pretend it's like 1991 again. You got before, it. Before I was born, there, young man. <laughs> I need I need to just like live in a time before I existed when everything exactly. was good. Yeah, when everything was good. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Back in my day. Yeah. <laughs> um. Alyssa, have you been playing any new video games? Nothing I haven't already played before. So I, I mean, listen, I'm still on the Overwatch, like yeah, the Overwatch I'm, grind. I'm, I'm also I'm trapped happy in it's back. I know I saw you playing right before we got on. <laughs> what? what? No, I would never do that. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, David, both of us are sort of like, we like lived in Overwatch for like a few years. So we're like Same. kind of. Same. citizens of that nation i yeah. guess i'm, I'm very addicted. familiar with overwatch myself so nice yeah, yeah i'm yeah I, i'm i don't know how, how happy are you with with overwatch 2 so far um not at all uh <laughs> yeah <laughs> understandable yeah I'm, I'm, not, I'm not really a big uh i guess like free-to-play model kind of guy but um, i really really did love the original game for sure yeah. and I, I i stuck with it basically all throughout uh, its life for the most part. And then at, at some point I was just like, ah, I, just, I just had my fill. I'm, I'm just done. You know, there's no, nothing coming out for it. Cause obviously right. there's a huge drought of content and yeah. I was just like, I, I just can't do this anymore. So yeah, I, I just had to drop Interestingly it. now, <laughs> even now, if you don't pay for the battle pass, there's still pretty much a drought of content forever. <laughs> um, so, and even then, even then you, you have to buy almost all of the new skins that come out like with real money. Like it's, it's, it's kind of a mess honestly there's with just the way no rolling out content yeah there's just no shot they're not they're not going to change it like there's they've gotten so much bad feedback they about have, it yeah. I, I hate to think they wouldn't listen um yeah we'll, we'll see I'm, I'm hoping so um but yeah i'm uh i'm i'm just kind of playing quick play right and and arcade stuff right now and messing around because i'm like i'm not i just like don't want to go into comp without a five stack at this point so mm. i'm just like uh nobody because they took away the fucking group finder thing so you can't even like find people who are actually on mic either mm-hmm. they still haven't fig- they they still haven't figured that out like in 2022 they, no, <laughs> i don't know are they I, do they like purposefully remove features they're like oh we forgot how this this cart goes we forgot how the code works mm, get your battle pass today and now you can get all you get all the groups you want yeah yeah jesus i'm <laughs> okay this is this is my this is my prediction i am 100 percent sure that when the story mode comes out, it's going to be released in like chapters periodically, and you're going to have to subscribe to a story pass in order to get it. it I mean, go, I mean, going back to id Software, I mean, that would be basically like that. Like they'll basically have like the the story come out in packets and floppy disks that you mail out to you. <laughs> the problem is, I'm going to pay for it if they do that because that's that's the thing I've been looking most or looking forward to the most is the PVE modes. Yeah. Uh, blizzard <laughs> what are you doing to me blizzard what are you doing <laughs> uh yeah so we'll see you know I'm, I'm curious if this is just what blizzard's gonna do like how many how many battle passes is diablo gonna have oh um, god yeah that's a whole other can of worms that's right gonna be very interesting um, um and funny enough too, uh, you know, if I, if I guess, if, you know, if I could segue a little bit, um, I did a um, uh, an audiobook, which is actually kind of like my first foray as a professional voice actor, uh, doing an audiobook on the on, on like early Blizzard history, like specifically in the '90s when they were making wow. like Diablo two, oh, wow. and Starcraft, yeah. and all that. 
And um, that is probably the most egregious example of crunch culture you'll ever hear about with Diablo 2. It's, it's absolutely ridiculous. So, oh, so yeah. Blizzard's always been like this. Oh, yeah, 100%. 100%. That's why I like Unless whenever I, I, I like hear you mm, younger whippersnappers like talk about all this. I'm like, mm, yeah, that sounds like Blizzard, all right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's rough, man. Um, okay, so yeah, I'm, I guess I've been playing, um, I have had a bunch of fucking games for review, um, but. I think my review of this new city builder against the storm went up on Friday on our YouTube channel. Oh. Uh, I gave it a nine out of 10 cause it is the best city builder I've ever played. Um, oh, wow. okay. Also, yeah, David, I should preface this like by, by day, by night, I am a game journalist, but by day I am an urban planner. Um, <laughs> so, you know, of course, when I come home just to get away from work, I sit down and I play city builder games. Nice. So I can, so I can pretend that I have some modicum of control. <laughs> In my life, yeah. In my life. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, that game is fantastic. Uh, go check out my review for it. It's um, I, if you are at all into city builders, I I think you have to play it. I do not skip it. Um, right. The uh, it's like post apocalyptic, but it's like a dark, low fantasy setting. But like at the the coolest thing is that they like throw out almost everything I know about city builders, and it's like one of those things where it's like. They throw out the playbook and you're like, I didn't even know I wanted all these features gone until they were gone. <laughs> like, there's so much stuff that I just kind of took for granted as like, be, that's just part of what city builders are like. And I'm just like, wow, this that, that actually sucked the whole time. Um, were you a SimCity fan growing up? Um, I played a little bit of SimCity. Um, I, didn't, I never got into it, though. I did like the regular Sims. Sims 3 was the one, I guess, when I was growing up. Oh, Sims. Yeah, 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 yeah. I really enjoyed that one. Um but yeah, I, I, I tried a little bit of SimCity. Like, I don't know. I feel like I like I like taking care of the people too, you know? I don't I don't like it to be that grand of a scale, which is like the Civ games also have not hit for me, which are not really city builders, but you know, it's like right. once you get to that grand strategy sort of level, like the bigger you get, I'm like kind of less interested. And the Civ games just last so long too, dude. They do. They do. Yeah. Or at least they can anyway. Last time I think to make it shorter. So yeah. I think last time I played, we played for like eight hours, and I ended up just tapping out because I was so tired. <laughs> nice. The be- actually the one I think I liked the best, and I, I would, I'm sure this would not be true if I went back to play it now, was Civ Three. Like when I was in high school, that was like a huge game, and I like I played with my friends a good bit. It was really fun. Um, but like I, I just haven't been able to get into five or six, which I tried, which is mm. probably more on me. Like I'm sure they are better games than the whole I mean, one. Five is great because um, I know like for Civ fans, it's usually Civ four or Civ five. Like it's kind of like the um, I don't know. I guess like the the uh, was it like the four um, X version of like Mega Man two or Mega Man three. <laughs> I guess for like hardcore fans of Civ. So. Yeah, yeah, no. Like uh, my, I have some friends who are really into it. Like I have a friend who is like. She has like maybe 3,000 hours on Civ 5, and she's played Civ 6 for like 60 hours, maybe total. Mm. Um, Like, I don't know. So, people, from what I've heard, yeah, a lot of the fans are kind of still stuck on that one. So, we'll see. Yeah. Um, But anyway, recommend that. And then I've also been playing Plague Tale Requiem, which is good so far. Uh, Yeah. Um, I love the first game. Yeah. I love the first game too. I kind of was hoping this game would be a little more different, but it, it literally just picks up where the first one ended and like, you have like a few new things maybe uh, so far. I'm like five hours in. Um, so like, it's good. I, I don't know that it's going to end up being better for me than the first one. And it is maybe a little disappointing in that it feels so much like the first game. Mm. Um, it really just feels like chapter two of the first game in a way. Um, mm. 
I mean, it's anyway. like, a, like, like, I guess like a silver lining to that as well, like since it does like, you know, um, on like a narrative scale anyway, take place right after the first game that uh, you can kind of like binge like both games and not really miss a beat. Yeah, no, it's very, very cohesive too. And like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's um, really oh, also reminder, play that game in French because the voice acting is much better. Mm. That's, um, good note. <laughs> it's a good note. Uh, yeah. But anyway, so um, and then I'm also reviewing this game called My Big Sister, which is a remaster of a prequel to a game i reviewed earlier this year uh man anyway go go look at our youtube channel my review for that will be up next week there's so much garbage going on Um, it baffles me how much content you're able to put out even with your job dude when am i when do i sleep and i still have to go do all this other shit i've like you know i'm writing that tabletop rpg that i am running every week and then also i have D &D every week with another group wow jeez man busy busy boy What is the time? What is time? Anyway, mm-hmm. we're here. Yeah, so that that is maybe all the things I've listed is one of the reasons we had to recently shift this to be an every two weeks podcast. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so yeah, let's uh, let's let's kind of get into it. So you did say uh, first, I do want to ask, like you, you're working as a, a voice actor. What else in the games industry have you worked in? Uh, sure. Uh, so I guess for like the past 10 years, uh, I was like a content creator uh, at large, more or less. Uh, I started off with my own blog site and YouTube channel uh, that mm-hmm. corresponded with it. Uh, from there, I helped start Retro Magazine, which was a Kickstarter funded publication. Uh, I acted as the managing editor for that. Uh, did that for over, let me see, three years, I want to say. And um, I did a podcast with that. When I left that project, I started uh, doing like my own podcast. Basically, just took like the same format and um, and just rebranded it more or less. Uh, so I did that for over four years. Um, got to interview people like uh, Trip Hawkins, who's the founder of Electronic Arts. Uh, John Tobias, one of the co-creators of Mortal Kombat. Uh, Grant Kirkhope, um, you know, who's oh like, my god, yeah, 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 like, like, at, like uh, yeah, he's like an absolute laugh riot, too, honestly. Um, awesome. as well as, as well as Tim Kitzrow, the voice of NBA Jam, that guy is a laugh riot. Um, both times I had him on, uh, he was just plastered out of his mind and it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'd like to, you know, I, I did that for over four years and, um, uh, then I'd say like I ended it uh, basically in the middle of the pandemic. I was like uh, June or July basically of 2020 when I decided to uh, to move into uh, to, like voice acting. And uh, that's when I was doing the Blizzard Entertainment book that I, I told you guys about. And um, yeah, and then from there I was uh, just kind of like taking some like uh, some gig work here and there. Uh, I worked on a um, uh, so there's like a French publisher uh, who I worked with uh, for uh, for an NES anthology book. It was like a 550 page book. I had to like edit from the original French uh, to the English. Wow. And um, yeah. And then uh, like so and, and like right now, actually, I'm like working on the uh, the Game Boy and Virtual Boy anthology for them. Uh, there was a, there was like a Kickstarter for that. We got like Kickstarter's grace uh, like for like uh, it was like hashtag projects we love. It was like their own campaign basically to help promote certain projects. Um, so I'm, I'm working on that right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, like, you know, also um, I have like a new magazine project, uh, that recently released the first issue. Uh, it's called Nespro magazine. 
Uh, I'm the editor in chief for that. Uh, so it's almost kind of like going back to my retro magazine roots of sorts. Um, and yeah, and also just recently too, uh, I was like the, uh, I was a narrative, uh, a, a narrative uh, designer uh, for, uh, for Mato Anomalies, which is an upcoming JRPG, which uh, I guess is like the, the prime basis as far as like why, why I'm here. So yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I did, uh, I did get an opportunity to play that, uh, that demo. Um, oh, nice. Yeah. 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 It was like an hour and a half, maybe uh, mm. demo. Um, just a uh, pretty cool. I've, I've got some questions about that one later on. We can pro- promo that game for you a little bit. Um, sure. Yeah. So what what other voice projects have you worked on for for video games? Uh, for video games, uh, I've done a couple of visual novel games uh, for like a small indie studio called Star Blossom. Um, okay. And, are, uh, I, I've I've actually somehow I'm one of the six people who's played some visual novels. Which <laughs> ones have you have you done? Have I done? Uh, so uh, both of the visual novel games, which I voiced, have not released yet. I don't know like, oh, okay. the names of them or anything, but I can tell you at least that I play as a uh, kind of like a Scottish dwarf type character, basically, because they uh, they originally wanted me for like my um, my orc voice, which is uh, very, very basically like a very classic Warcraft orc, like it's like that type of yeah. like character, more or less. Mm-hmm. Um and then um, they basically asked me uh, when they didn't need the orc character anymore. They're like, oh, can you do like a Scottish dwarf? And I'm like thinking it's like, I could kind of go to like a Scrooge McDuck and it gruff it up a little bit like I like that. And then just kind of just play it off with, with that. And you have like lines such as, uh, ah, your beard looks fake, but I don't go about yanking it off. You know, things like that. So, oh, um, yeah. So um, now, but, I do have a question. Does, why sure. is why is every dwarf Scottish? Not just you, but just every dwarf. <laughs> Yeah, um, uh, it might be a cultural appropriation. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. I think um, I think uh, yeah. I think Tolkien might have just made dwarves Scottish, and then it just like never went away. <laughs> it's yeah, basically everything Tolkien did. That's just a rule, and that's how, that's how it always has to be from here on out. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> oh, nice, nice. Uh, so yeah, how did you, so what what like is it that like drew you to get into voice acting in the first place? Oh man. Um, I mean, voice acting, I mean, I've, I've always had like a, like a passing interest in it. Like ever since I was like a kid, like, uh, you know, I was like that nerdy kid basically who have like the DVDs for like the Simpsons or like Batman, the animated series. And, uh, I would like watch like the behind the scenes footage of like the actors, like in the booth acting out their scenes and uh, like okay. for the microphone and all that. Yeah. It, it, it was just incredible to me just kind of seeing that. Um, and obviously, like, you know, growing up, I was, you know, a big fan of like cartoons and everything. So I always love kind of seeing what the creative, you know, what the creative process looked like. And, um, yeah, like, you know, I, I would, I would take like some classes here and there was like a group on whatever I would like take for like Boston casting that's like near me and <laughs> just like, you know, to just, just go hang out there sometimes. But, uh, I didn't actually start taking it seriously until, like I said, with the, with the audiobook uh, in the, in the middle of the pandemic. So, um, that's kind of like my first foray and it was a 28 chapter book too. So this is like, yeah, if I'm going to like dive in, I dive in like real hardcore and like, let's just try to take things easier from here on out. So Nice. No, that's cool. Yeah. I've always, I've come with, I've honestly always had an, in- an interest in doing like voice acting as well. And I'm, I'm told I'm like be fairly good at it, but I also like, am already like doing too many things with my life. And I'm just like, I just like don't have the time or energy to devote to doing another training. What's that's another play to add to the stack, honestly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's just the life of a creative, honestly, because I, I, you know, like the, to quote Bill Clinton, I feel your pain, you know, like it's just kind of like that kind of like a mindset that you have to be in really like where you're always looking for like the next thing. You always want to be busy. You have to kind of keep, 
your hands moving, your your mouth moving, like whatever it is that you're doing, like you, like as a, as a creative, you always have to be doing something. So I, I totally get that. Yeah, no, and then like yeah, I've, I'm I'm doing a lot of stuff, and I've trust me, I've peeled it back a lot to make it something that I'm not like literally dying over. But yeah, yeah. I, I got you. Um, <laughs> I am I have also written out, uh, started writing out, which I'm gonna I've I've pushed to doing this next year. But Alyssa, you are obviously invited to be part of this too. Um, is a um, radio play, the radio drama mm. I've been kind of working on. So, Ooh, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, so, I actually didn't know about this. You know, I don't. Have you talked about this before? I mentioned it a little bit earlier this year, but like, I kind of had a decision to make. Like I said, I've I've been I've been working on making a tabletop RPG, like an original one, for the last like five or six years, and mm-hmm. I kind of decided at the beginning of this year, like, okay, by the end of this year, that is going to be finished and published, and I'm going to be able to start selling it. And nice. I think I'm on track to do that. But in order to do that, I was like, okay, like my other stuff is going to just get pushed to later, and I'll figure it out because <laughs> I, I mm-hmm. need to like focus on this. So, but yeah, I, I get what you're saying, a hundred percent. You gotta, I just like always got to be making stuff. I don't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, Although it's good, like when you can like focus in on like you know one or two, like you know, or or, or even like three things that you feel yeah. like you can like manage with your time. So no, yeah. absolutely nice. So um, one thing that was interesting to me, like you guys are, are so you're working with a, an overseas studio. This is a Chinese studio, right? Yes, yeah, they're located yeah. over in Shanghai. Yeah, th- so that's really cool because like traditionally there haven't been, or rather uh, until maybe the last four or five years, not a lot of like Chinese made games have made it over to the West, really. Um, and that's kind of something new and like to, and you know, I'll be fair. Most of the ones that make it over here are mobile games, which is, you know, because they're so popular over in China. That makes right, sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, you know, we've got like here, like a full, like console slash PC game, uh, Mato Anomalies with the, from a Chinese studio, which, you know, we don't get a ton of, um, mm-hmm. there are, there are a few, they're getting to be more and more, but like, uh, yeah, I was, I was really interested in how, how has it been like working with a with a studio that's like you know in another country basically? Yeah, um, I mean you know it's been great. Uh, you know honestly, it's my first foray into uh, what's what's basically game design. Um, yeah, you know it's kind of funny. Uh, you know just like side side thought, but like I kind of like just you know j- just just woke up one day and uh, just kind of like realized it's like oh I'm doing narrative design, which is effectively game design. So I guess I can call myself a game designer of sorts. So it was just kind of like just weird to me like the you know, kind of consider myself that after all, like the, uh, you know, all, like all the media work I've done in the past. Um, but as far as like working with them, I mean, you know, it's been great. Um, I mainly worked with um, the narrative lead uh, for uh, like on the, on the team and um, also the game director. Um, and uh, one of the cooler parts I'd say with like working with them was when they asked me to rename one of the characters. Um, she's, uh, she's actually a character who you see in the trailer. Um, mm-hmm. She's kind of like that, uh, uh, that like mysterious looking uh, woman, like who you'll see, like uh, there's like one point of the trailer where you'll see a kind of like projected, um, like almost kind of like a hologram. Like, but, oh, like, is it the giant? Big. Is it the giant lady? The giant lady, looked, yeah, yeah. yeah Alyssa, like, I thought that was you when I was playing the game. Ha <laughs> 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 um, So yeah, her her original name was uh, was Lead Crane. Uh, so Lead, like the poisonous metal, and she has like this whole poisonous motif. She's basically like a underground boss of sorts that kind of keeps the peace with all the different factions uh, she like runs like a club that um that's more or less kind of like the um the uh it's kind of like the peaceful middle ground if you will for all these like different warring yeah, factions the DMZ. yeah exactly yeah <laughs> and um so so you know she, she basically kind of calls the shots there and everything so 
Um, one of the name suggestions that I gave uh, that they went with uh, was um, was Donna Nightshade. Uh, so Nightshade again, kind of keeping better with name. <laughs> yeah, uh, Nightshade uh, kind of keeping with the poisonous motif, being a poisonous flower. Uh, also to uh, coincide with the fact that her dresses tend to be very floral in their pattern. Yeah. Um, and uh, Donna, I picked just because it's basically the female version of the honorific Don, like you see in like mafia movies. Oh, nice. That makes sense. I like yeah. that. And uh, okay. I added like a little caveat to that. Uh, whenever you have like people who want to show her like the utmost respect or they're like scared of her or whatever, that they mm-hmm. call her Lady Nightshade instead. And uh, Donna is usually just like reserved for the people who like really know her. So, yeah, yeah. that would make sense. Yeah. No, that's really cool. That's awesome. So. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely something that I think you can help with being like, uh, you know, like a native speaker and everything. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, those, those things like those kinds of subtleties are like not something you can like type into Google Translate and understand. So, you know. <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'll basically like look at whatever machine translated English that they give me and be yeah. like, OK, how do I one, have this make sense, but also to have it be like engaging enough for a Western audience where it just makes sense for them and. I mean, with the whole example, I, I you know, I, I gave with, with like the name, I mean, lead crane, it just didn't really, really translate well for English yeah. speakers. So, um, you know, I was glad that they came to me to, uh, you know, to help with that. And I'm glad I can contribute in a pretty significant way in that sense, aside from, you know, like a lot of the dialogue too. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So you were also like, uh, you said narrative designer, does that translate to being somebody who's directly writing lines of dialogue or just doing story maps or how, how does it work? Sure. Um, so at least in my case, uh, you know, because it could be different with like different studios, obviously. Um, basically, they they have me like work within a platform where they show the original Chinese script and then there's like the machine translated English. And then from there, just like what, you know, how do I interpret it more or less? Um, I, I think it was actually broken up into like uh, into like three categories, actually. It was uh, it was like the original Chinese script the machine, the machine translated English. And then what the uh, narrative team over in Shanghai uh, basically came up with to have it make more sense English wise. But then I have to come in and then westernize it more or less. And uh, sometimes that might include like rewriting entire lines, but not too often, really. It was just more of kind of like cleaning it up and having it make more sense. And, you know, like every so often, just because, you know, I have such a pop culture adult brain, um, I, I, I might like throw in like a little thing here and there that's not too overt or something but like just kind of some you know cute, a cute little reference here and there but like nothing too overt and for for the most part it's kind of just having it make more sense like with um i guess like more uh more more kind of like the type of english that would be appreciated all throughout the west more or less so yeah awesome yeah i'm uh, i think that, that's really cool I'm, I'm glad that they're like so collaborative about it because i've definitely heard stories of like translation teams that are just like given a script and they're like make it work (laughs) right right yeah that was not the case here um and maybe that's just by virtue of it being a smaller team as well sure um even though it's it's being looked over at least by the bigger umbrella of things by coke media and obviously that's that's pretty huge but Ah. um but uh but like like, you know also that the team itself is small and like it doesn't seem like there's too much getting in the way as far as like the creative process with what they have to do um, although, uh, you know, since, um, uh, since I do voice acting as well, they were like originally pegging, uh, they were originally pegging me to, 
to perform in the game as well as uh, to uh, you know to, to to cast for the game. Um, unfortunately, that didn't pan out since uh, you know again being Coke Media, they actually have like their own studio uh, who they worked with for the for the voice acting before in previous projects like Persona Five, for example. So it's just like okay, oh. like I, you know I can't I can't fault you too much for going with the Persona Five guys. Um, wow, but uh, okay. there, there there is an upcoming project which uh, you know obviously I can't talk about now, but um, uh, but there is an upcoming project where I should be uh, getting more involved with the voiceover and the casting as well, hopefully. Uh, along with some narrative design too, and some more right. Western project too. So and we we can't uh, stay say tuned. The, yeah, can't say the name of the project, but it does rhyme with the legend of Milda Bonline. <laughs> oh my god! Damn, you added me. <laughs> yeah, um, no, that's really cool. So um, yeah, I'm. Uh, I think you've answered my question about being like looped in for the the game process. So like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I'm. So uh, is this like a a, a how's it, how would I say to ask this? This, are, are you still basically working like freelance or are you really like a full time member of this, this studio? Uh, I'm very much freelance. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. So are you still working on multiple projects, basically? And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> this is just kind of one of the, I guess, main ones you're on right now. Exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, this was like a pretty major one that um, I just kind of happened to get it, get it like attached to effectively. Yeah. Um, I guess I could say as far as like what led to that, um, I worked with... Um, um, I worked with Arrowiz Entertainment on like a number of like smaller projects, uh, just kind of like, um, you know, to help punch up like a pitch deck here or like the, you know, the English in like a, in like a game trailer there, um, some lore and in like some other game project there, you know, so like just Ooh. like random little small things. And then my main contact, uh, since he really liked my work, um, he wanted to attach it to an actual game project uh, on, on like a narrative side. So he asked me for some creative writing samples. So I was like, okay, sure. Like, you know, so I just kind of just wrote up some, some like sci-fi here and there since he asked uh, specifically for a sci-fi example. And um, he was actually going to get me attached to a, uh, to like a game project based on Ghost in the Shell, um, you know, which was pretty cool because I'm definitely a big, big Ghost in the Shell fan. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, like, and when that didn't pan out, that's when I got attached to Mato Anomalies instead, since that's also kind of like fits that motif, like, you know, um, futuristic sci-fi sort of yeah. uh, sort of deal so yeah that means uh Alyssa is a big fan of lore i know that you oh, well i try <laughs> the least with overwatch i've been a big fan of lore <laughs> um yeah i've hyper focused on that game for for six years it's mm-hmm. it's a problem can I, can I ask you Alyssa? uh who do you main in overwatch uh anna Anna. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. I wasn't um, really, really, really expected that, I guess. Uh, Cause Anna is definitely one of the harder characters to, she, to like, play as properly. Yeah. That's why I picked her up. I, I picked her up out of spite. I was like, I got to pick like one of the like harder like supports to do and just like yeah. get like amazingly good at her. Which is I the, mean, if your aim is great, then like, you know, then, then, you know, then you're golden. So yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The opposite of what I did. Cause like, I'm like Reinhardt main. And so I was like, <laughs> By the way, there is a cheat code built right into Overwatch for you Reinhardt players. If you just hold down the left click and swing the hammer and hold W, you'll win the game. <laughs> w, 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 yep, this all the way. Literally, like, the, like number one number one cheat code for Reinhardt is just, like, hold down W. <laughs> like, it's okay. Just don't just fucking sit there with the shield. Anything else. Yeah. 
Um, um, so I'm kind of like a mixture of you two, actually, because uh, I'm definitely I was definitely more of a tank and support player myself. Um, I actually started off with Winston, actually, um, okay. big, big, big Winston fan, like in the beta for the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, still played him when the full game came out. And uh, I also got like it to like um, into Roadhog whenever I just wanted to just mess people up in the flank and, you know, <laughs> just, just like to, to like, displace people with the hook and all that. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, like with like support, I was uh, I was very big into Lucio. Uh, Lucio was my boy. I love, you know, again, displacing people, um, you know, kind of mess up their positioning and all that stuff. So Lucio was that for me pretty much. So. Yeah, no, I like that. I do like getting a good boop in. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who doesn't but, enjoy a good boop every now and then? I love, love, love a good environmental kill, too. Yes, yeah, 100%. <laughs> I love getting... I did get the Flores Lava achievement. Yes, same. Uh, yeah, nice. I, I got completely by by uh, by accident, too, actually. Yeah, I, I did. I didn't even the, know um, about it. Uh, like, it was like the... Uh, it wasn't the Ilios well, but it was like the other Ilios. Lijing? Or, no, no. Um, it was like the other, like, uh, area. Like, the uh, it's, it's, it's like the, It's like the one that has, like, the enclosed area for the for the, uh, for the checkpoint. Oh, okay. Um, Is it a temple? I don't know. It's not the temple, but uh, it's like the same kind of like Ilios kind of thing where it's like very grease looking, but like it has has like the open back of the enclosed like checkpoint area. I think it's called Ruins. Might I'm be not ruins. sure. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I know which one you're talking about. But yeah, there are like yeah. people like on the sidelines and because it's all so wide open, I basically like wall the, r- wall road like on the outside of the checkpoint and just booped them off. And then I just right. got it. I wasn't even like trying to get it. It just, just kind of happened that way. So the, the Lijang Garden one is actually quite easy to do because if you just like surf along the wall there and speed boost yourself at the beginning, you like hop over to the other team's bridge and just boop. And there's usually the whole team on the bridge there. <laughs> nice. Uh, not too hard, but um yeah so i i was actually kind of curious about this so how big is the team that is over arrow is here um so uh with arrow is uh or do you mean the um uh, the the studio over in shanghai oh yeah sorry the studio over in shanghai which studio, studio is that called um I'm trying to remember now um because like, usually we just kind of just went by arrow is like a, like a cross but it was kind of like a smaller studio that was like underneath arrow is um mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, like as far as like how big that team is, I actually don't quite know since um, you know obviously not being there. But uh, I do know that they were that they were greatly impacted when um, uh, was like the lockdowns are going on uh, over um, like like you know over in Shanghai specifically actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, I'm just trying to remember like it's it's not it's not a big team though. I could tell you that much. I, if I had to guess, it'd probably be somewhere between maybe like twenty and thirty, maybe. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So like yeah, kind of. A- typical indie team there but yeah, yeah so there uh is the studio like owned by like a bigger a bigger company then i mean coke media overlooks okay. it all so yeah okay so i mean i guess it's a i don't know it's kind of hard to draw a line about like what's like an indie studio and not sometimes yeah but. yeah i mean i guess like you know for for all you know as far as like the technicalities go it wouldn't be yeah. classified as an indie studio but indie in the right. sense that's a smaller team i guess yeah, it's if like you a small to. team I'm, I'm guessing with like kind of a smaller budget and everything yeah yeah, yeah. it's kind of like that sort of technicality attached to it um, i mean because like indie technically is like you don't have any sort of big money backing you right. um but um yeah I, I imagine like you know just at least like how like a lot of like game development works like for like smaller studios that get attached to bigger companies they're just kind of allocated a certain uh budget to work within and then that's what they work with so. yeah okay interesting yeah i was i was curious so have you found the way like you've, you've been doing game dev stuff uh or, or working in the games industry for a while have you Mm-hmm. found the way that like a Chinese studio operates to be any different from like a Western yeah. studio? 
Uh, well, it's hard to say since I haven't worked for a Western studio, but um, oh, you know what? that's me- fair enough. At least, at least as far as like from what I know from outside looking in, um, not really. I mean, because ultimately people are people and they're just yeah. all just trying to make whatever, you know, cool thing that they're trying to make. And I, I, I would just kind of like imagine that most people just kind of like think like me in the sense that like I just want to make cool things and have people experience them, you know. Yeah. Um, and, the, you know, at least like the people who, who I've interacted with uh, on, on that team, um you know, they're very much like that. They're very passionate about what it is that they're making. Um, you know, they, they're just an absolute joy to like to work with. Honestly, uh, they really appreciated my work, which is great. And, um, yeah. I just really appreciate them and their feedback too. So, uh, mm-hmm. when that, when that demo came out, uh, for, uh, for the gamescom reveal, um, you know, that was, um, you know, that was like, it, it was like, it was like, just, just like so cool just to kind of see like the characters you've been kind of like, writing for and just kind of like really only visualizing through like text on the screen yeah um to be like you know almost like living breathing people in a sense on the screen yeah. no, that's and awesome. and um you know I, I, like i i wanted to kind of give back even more in a sense like after i was done like on my end with the narrative design and like you know i gave them like some feedback since you know obviously coming you know uh, I, was, I was coming from like the media side of things and just kind of gave them like some feedback like i would have like if i was working with like a game dev going, you know, running around at PAX East, for example, and like, you know, tr- you know, just like trying out their games, giving some quick feedback as far as what I think of their game, just with my lifetime of experience gaming, basically. So, yeah. Nice. Okay. So, um, this is one thing that has actually been a question for me. And I think a lot of other people, like, does the narrative design for the game always kind of take place before, like a lot of the coding is done around it, or is, is it kind of the other way around? Uh, other way around yeah um definitely the uh, there's like the concept phase and you know there's um making like the the uh, you know the actual assets uh you know whether it's 2d or 3d or whatever um and uh yeah from there you're basically fleshing out the the narrative um at least as far as i kind of gather just with everything i've seen because I, I was showing like the assets i was showing like what the concept art looks like i was uh, showing some like early gameplay as well so right. At the very least, I had like almost like a proof of concept, if you will, of the yeah, game. Yeah, okay, that makes um, sense. Before I started working on it, yeah, and um, so like I, I was just really impressed with those. You know, I thought it was really cool, especially the art style for the uh, you know for the concept art. I was just like, hell yeah, just you know, just sign me up, you know. So, uh, so yeah, like it was. That, that's basically what I've seen, like at least as far as what the process is like, and I imagine the process is very similar, like within game design, as far as concept, assets, proof of concept of sorts making the narrative as far as what those story beats look like and things are like voice acting comes later as well. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I, the reason I asked that is because I feel like just from the unwashed masses on Twitter, I feel like there's a, <laughs> a misconception that like, cause like when they're like people, games, you know, be like, Oh, we're like hiring writers. Then people will be like, they haven't even started making the game yet. You know? <laughs> which right. I was kind of assuming was not really the case, which it sounds like it's not. So. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, for the layman, uh, I guess like to, to make them, you know, to use like a more kind term, I suppose um, for, for the layman, uh, you know, it's not so much, um, you know, just pressing a button and all of a sudden you make like, you know, all the art for the game or whatever. Um, it's, it's very much like, you know, like for a lot of games, especially for bigger games, if you're talking about, you know, about like AAA games, you're looking at like at least five years of like development for a lot of them these days. Anyway, um, I know uh, since I have like a friend of mine who worked on Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, um, 
you know, getting into his head as far as like making Bioshock Infinite specifically and wow. uh, knowing that like that whole, you know, as far as like what like people who are like in the know anyway in the gaming industry, uh, they see that as like, oh, yeah, it was like a five. It was like a de- in development for five years or whatever for him specifically is just like like it feels like we've been working on that game for 10 years really more more than anything because of the concept phase and how long that concept phase go on mm-hmm. uh go, you know go, goes on for and uh ken levine um you know anyone who knows ken levine yeah uh, and i gotten to meet him once by the way too uh very interesting cat um <laughs> yeah he, that's probably the nicest thing i've heard about him <laughs> yeah yeah very very interesting cat for sure um <laughs> that's that's really kind of like the first term that always kind of comes to mind for me he's like he's an interesting cat um <laughs> he he tends to kind of take the creative process in an, in an almost uh kojima like level in the sense Ooh. where he likes to kind of go through that slow burn and figure things out slowly and it's usually to the detriment of everyone around him but when he does actually make something it is something that you know, like pretty much everyone can like appreciate to some level. Um, yeah. Uh, when I met up with him, he actually was very uh, candid actually about like what his next project is supposed to be. And I know he's a big civilization fan himself, actually. So I know mm-hmm. he wants to integrate some kind of civilization mechanics into whatever his next uh, game is going to be, but it's still nice. going to be Bioshock ish in a sense, like where it has that kind of half-life single player, first person shooter sort of mechanic, but I guess with some civ mechanics in there too. So we'll see. Yeah. It's, um, that's interesting because I remember seeing a uh, a story maybe two weeks ago about how uh, like Ken Levine's like new studio like literally like there this game has been in development hell for years because like nobody will stay on the project with him right like, <laughs> he's so he's so difficult to work with that people just keep quitting and so they can't finish the game yeah Thanks. yeah. Um, uh, I mean, obviously, I can't like speak on that level, but yeah, just, sure. just, just 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 in my short time meeting him, um, I can kind of get that sense that that may be the case where he could be potentially the difficult boss, but maybe he isn't, depending on who you are, too. Because at least with my friend, anyway, who who has worked with them, mm-hmm. uh, Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite, um, he absolutely loves them, and they get along super great. Mm-hmm. Um, but that might be different too, since he was one of the lead level designers too for the for those games. So, <laughs> yeah, that, that's awesome. Those, those are two of my favorite games like ever. Uh, I would love to mm. actually. I would love to pick your friend's brain about that if that's possible too later. Oh on. yeah, but, sure. I mean, yeah. I'd be happy to uh, you know to point you in his direction. So. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, one, let me see here. I I do want to I do want to get into this a little bit, being that you're a voice actor. It's a bit timely. Mm-hmm. Um, no I would love to. Yeah, I would love, love to hear I knew it. I knew immediately. It. I'm it was sorry. Happen. <laughs> uh, it's all good. It's all good. Ask away. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I mean, I'm I'm sure you followed the whole saga here. Um, I have. Yeah. From yeah, which was sort of a roller coaster for all of us. But, yeah, sort of. <laughs> um, coming out of that, I guess the thing I want to talk about is what is like kind of the, the general landscape. Uh, situation of like voice actors getting enough pay and like the unionization aspect of voice acting yeah um so um so full disclosure i'm not unionized myself i'm very much freelance in every sense of the word um so um as far as voice actors not getting enough pay i mean that is very much an issue um for those who don't know it is still very much an issue and that's why you know for People like me who are voice actors and, you know, we're trying to kind of make our way, build our career, what have you, uh, or even people who are seasoned vets. Um, seeing uh, seeing um, Helena Taylor, I believe is her name. Yeah. Um, seeing her uh, plead her case, like with those four videos she posted up that went viral. Um, 
it spoke to us a lot, honestly, like on that visceral level. It certainly spoke to me, um, you know, because I had Bayonetta 3 pre-ordered and then I canceled my pre-order, actually, because I was just like so upset. And I, I knew I know that this sort of thing happens. So I thought, why would she put her whole career on the line if this was like whole whole thing like fabricated kind of thing? And like, it's not like it was whole thing fabricated. Like, you know, I, I shouldn't I shouldn't. Um, I shouldn't. Uh, yeah, she with she that, like but. basically like worded her things in a way that was intentionally misleading. She fudged the numbers a bit. Yeah. She she fudged mm-hmm. the framing quite a bit as well. Yeah, she she made it sound like it was worse than it actually was, but because she led with being dishonest with the framing, that's what led the whole thing falling apart essentially. Right now, uh, Platinum Games didn't come away uh, unscathed either. Obviously, no, with, uh, Hideki my, Kamiya my and like his whole friend. Twitter blow up. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. My favorite friend, also maybe, yeah, one of the most famously difficult bosses also. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you want to talk about difficult bosses? Um, yeah, yeah. Um, Jesus, man. Um, but yeah, I'm, that, that whole thing is like, you know, the, the sad part of it is like, yeah, this, it's like, so Helena Taylor, like from my understanding, has not worked in voice acting in about eight years, like since she did Bayonetta 2. Mm-hmm. Um, her primary thing that she does is theater. And yeah, so, like stage acting. Yeah. Stage acting, yeah. And so like, um, she like did break an NDA to talk about this stuff, but she also broke an NDA to kind of, I guess, I mean, lie almost about like what yeah. was going on, it's which bizarre. is like, it's, it's almost bizarre, a thing. Man. Yeah, exactly. It's like a thing like, why would anyone do that? And then it's like, I guess someone did. Um, yeah. But like, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's pretty clear she has no interest in working in voice acting anymore. So at this I mean, point. she even said that she wanted to put the whole thing behind her or whatever, and she wanted to focus back on you know to like stage acting um yeah. I was, I, you know like 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 obviously for her she clearly loved bayonetta she put a lot of work into cre- into creating bayonetta's character mm-hmm. um bayonetta did not even have a japanese voice actor before her she was the original voice actor through and through mm-hmm. um you know so that's that's kind of interesting as well obviously being like a, like you know they have a, like a japanese studio they're making a character they don't even have a japanese voice attached to it it's literally like we just want a british voice actress uh, to put you know to portray this character yeah and um helena T- taylor was great obviously like with it but right yeah, she's i don't know like some yeah. something i don't know something like happened along the way like i know she like mentioned at least like in one of those four videos that she posted up that she was like in a dark place mentally or something so she's been kind of going through some stuff uh from what i gather and um you know i know she's uh you know she's very like a uh, hardcore religious as well and yeah. like there's there's like some something like with her ideology that I think has just been kind of like affecting her in certain ways. I, I imagine maybe like the pandemic might have something to do with it as well. I'm just trying to kind of make sense of it really more than anything. Yeah, it's, um, it's a little yeah. bit weird. And I was also thinking like she seems to be very religious and she's been part of some like very like violently pro-life organizations or rather contributing to their charities. Um, yeah, she definitely urged fans to like give money to a group that makes billboards that are very anti-abortion. That's the one. Not ideal. Not ideal. Also at the same time, how did this woman end up playing Bayonetta, the witch who uses sex to kill angels? (laughs) I mean, it's, it's it's very, it's very interesting when, when you really think about it. Yeah. Like being as religious as as she is and her character is like literally out there destroying angels. Like, you know, so obviously I did, you know, cancel my pre-order of Bayonetta three. And then at the end of this, I I ended up ordering three more copies of Bayonetta. (laughs) Wow. Um, Just to, just to really stick it to them. Yeah. But um, no, I, so I guess the main thing that, you know, uh, people are, are the thing, uh, this, this is basically a bad situation because, at this point, you know, like voice actors are still not being paid enough. And, mm-hmm. you know, of course, there's 
very much there's a lot of pushback from from the higher ups against the unionization efforts going on too in that of arena course. but like yeah it's it's uh you know it's it's hard to think like maybe this will you know this might invalidate a lot of the arguments for that kind of stuff in the future too yeah um because, well, speaking more on on, on, you know, on like the union side of things i mean yeah. i i know this much at least just like from speaking with voice actors in the gaming industry uh specifically with um with dave finoy uh who you might know as uh the voice of Lee in The Walking Dead season one uh, Telltale game. Oh my god, um, he's, he's fucking fantastic! Oh, he's great. Yeah, absolutely yeah, great. Um, he's right. he's done so many voices, obviously, yeah, but yeah. Um, he is uh, like an absolute gem of a person. I've I've had the pleasure of speaking with, with him a number of times, and uh, he's very much of a uh, I'm going to get up on my soapbox and tell you what I really think kind of like um, kind of person, you know. Yeah. Um, and when the whole voice acting strike was going on back in when was that? Like it's 20, like 2014 or 15 is that right? yeah i want to say 2015 maybe yeah it was like around that time anyway but mm-hmm. uh when the when the when that whole strike was going on it was literally about yeah we're not getting paid enough we're 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 in the studio for long hours and basically wrecking our voices without having like sufficient breaks in order to like recover properly so that we can basically keep doing what we're doing for a longer term you know yeah um and uh you know that's that sort of thing still happens, and even though the other yeah, they are under the SAG AFTRA union, uh, SAG AFTRA doesn't really view voiceover artists the same way as they do like with say like the on stage actors or like on screen actors, um, the actors who do like live action kind of stuff. Um, the voice actors tend to be treated almost like second class citizens in a sense. It seems like within the union, uh, that's what I gather anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh yeah i mean like i certainly see it like within like you know with like other voice actors who i spoke with who are part of that union and all that and it's um yeah there just needs to be kind of like a better uh situation for them to um to be able to support themselves better with that craft when they're not like say like a mark hamill you know or like a baker or something like that so Yeah, yeah yeah and i mean that is one of those things with like this whole situation from the beginning was like they replaced this lady who like almost nobody knows by name with Jennifer Hale of all people who like, right. Obviously would cost like much more than her. And is also like, the, <laughs> was like, was yeah. like one of the people instrumental in forming like voice actor unions too. Um, you, you would think. Yeah. And, and I guess until, um, until that goes public, if it goes public, as far as mm-hmm. like what Jennifer Hale was paid for Bayonetta three, we won't know. And, you know, I'm sure this the story will crop up again. Uh, you know, yeah. when slash if those figures do come up, I am thinking it was more than the 15k they offered to pay Helena Taylor and less than the 100k she demanded from them. <laughs> probably, probably. I'm guessing yeah. the answer is in the middle somewhere. But yeah, so um, I, I was curious about this coming off of the thing about like being a freelance voice actor. Like, how often is it that you have a a, a game studio with voice actors in it because the one i the one i think of immediately that comes to mind is uh darren korb over at super giant games who is oh, like yeah. one of the best working voice actors i mean right yeah now. but yeah he, i love he's super a, giant too yeah, by the way. yeah he's, so. he's you know he's a full-time uh staff member there uh mm-hmm. you know working on the, the music as well um, right but he does a lot of the amazing voices but like yeah, I, I was just curious. Is that like a thing that you know of happening frequently, or are is it really more like standard for everyone to be kind of freelance moving? Uh, definitely more standard to be to be freelance, hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, that whole situation that you described there with Super Giant Games, that is very much of a specifically Super Giant Games thing because uh, I know again from speaking with them personally um, and following that studio very closely too, because they are one of my favorite studios, hands down. I love those guys so much. 
Um, yeah, Alyssa's a big fan of the characters from Hades. Yeah. Listen. <laughs> I imagine. I imagine. Just because I never, just because I never finished, listen, just because I finished the game, or never finished the game, does not mean I cannot enjoy the characters. <laughs> Quote unquote lore. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah like knowing, knowing those guys and like, you know, how close they are and how they love all working together to, um, yeah, uh, I mean that is a very, very special case in that situation uh, where, mm-hmm. yeah, they're 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 basically classified as like an indie studio. They, they are very like independent, really, as far as uh, as far as I gather, uh, as far as like their funding and all that. I'm pretty sure they're they're self sufficient as opposed to right. being uh, having like a publisher of, over them. Yes, um, mm-hmm. but uh, but yeah, like they're they you know they they love working together. I know they're very close knit. Uh, Greg Cassavin, who runs that studio, absolutely amazing person as well. Um, also came from media actually before starting that studio and, um, just a great, great person, great human being, great people all around there. I love Darren Korb as well. I got to interview him before. It's just incredible human being. I, I just love those people so much. So I can't, I can't gush enough about them. Yeah. yeah. I'd buy all, buy all their games. Actually, you know, this is a good, good shout out because I, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm like a big proponent of like, you know, whenever people are like talking about like vote with your wallet and stuff, I'm like, mm-hmm. well, in you know these these things never seem to really like make a difference when you're like don't buy this thing I, I was just I'm I'm kind of a big proponent of like find people who are like doing it right and make sure to patronize them <laughs> kind of a thing yes and, like, yeah it can like, be like a two pronged attack really in that yes. sense since yeah, yeah, since, yeah. since um voting with your wallet does work to a degree but it can also cost people jobs as well yeah. um like just average people and uh yeah I mean it's it's tough to be like when big money is involved in, in, you know, in anything, um, yeah. you know, and I'm, I'm kind of speaking more on my own political ideology with, with that. Sure. Um, but, uh, it's, you know, but yeah, uh, being able to kind of give like the praise or give like any sort of like support, especially if it's monetary support, uh, to those individual creators who, who you do enjoy, mm-hmm. that goes a long way as well, for sure. And that's also a way to vote for with, with, with yeah, your wallet. Exactly. Too, it's right? like, it's like a two way thing you can do. And I remember last year when that whole, or two years ago, maybe when that story about like, um, you know how Supergiant like like makes everyone like like hey you can't like log into your email from outside of work like you work exactly forty hours a week like you have mandatory vacation time every year stuff like mm-hmm. that like you know I was like oh that's fucking great and like I just went on Steam and I just like bought Pyre and I was like I'll play this one day but I wanted to buy it at full price to just kind of support them a little bit yeah um, yeah so like, Pyre's you know, great too by the way so yeah like, I like, definitely it, will get to it it's yeah. it's it's basically the um, the like sports game of their games lineup so yeah, yeah. <laughs> um very interesting so yeah anyway the um let's let's go ahead and and kind of for the last bit here let's talk about the game mato anomalies that's coming out so yeah pitch pitch that to me uh, um pitch Alyssa, are you, you're like kind of a blank slate on this because you haven't like played the demo or anything so uh here uh why don't you just pitch it uh that way as if i have no idea what this is fair Sure. Yeah. Uh, so, Mato Anomalies is a is a JRPG, uh, turn based uh, JRPG, where you have uh, like dual protagonists. Uh, there is Graham and Doe. Uh, Doe is basically the um, uh, is basically like the like detective uh, type character who goes running around in like the uh, in like the real world more or less, and uh, picks up like information, uh, gathers all that, like basically act as a detective more or less, um, but does no combat whatsoever. Graham is basically like a shaman type character where he goes into this other world and basically fights the monsters there more or less. And that's that's basically like how his job is more or less. And um, they are basically like in this uh, futuristic version of Shanghai um, and uh, trying to get to like the middle of like this greater mystery more or less. Um, 
that's I think that's as far as I could really say without really really kind of spoiling anything because um, it's yeah like like the story does take some really, like really deep twisted turns. Um, the uh, the relationship between Graham and Doe takes some like really interesting turns as well. Um, I could say you know again without spoiling it, obviously um, you know when when going through the narrative beats, uh, jumping ahead in the chapters and all that. Uh, I was just like, whoa, that's where it goes. Okay. Okay. Let's, let's see what happens now. <laughs> you know, um, it had that reaction for me basically. So, uh, it's, it's really, really cool. Like where it goes, definitely, uh, definitely will throw you for a loop. Um, obviously it has like this whole, you know, like futuristic, uh, sci-fi sort of like, a like vibe about it. Um, and yeah, if you like, if you like, uh, I guess like, um, uh, I guess like uh, futuristic um, settings that have an anti-capitalist sort of like message, then uh, Mato Anomalies will definitely uh, speak to you <laughs> as, as yeah. it certainly spoke to me in that sense. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. The um, So I, I guess like um, when, when I was like going through this, I mean, I, I'm sure, you know, the first thing that first comparison that jumped into my mind was persona yes um mm-hmm. yeah so same for um, me honestly too and that's that's what made me want to jump on board with, with the project it's like oh this kind of like persona but like futuristic it's like yeah, oh, yeah. who's this cool guy with the mask and the sword and like all this stuff so yeah. right and so yeah there, there's definitely that same vibe of like you know not just the the anti-capitalist theme but like also the idea of like we're on the overworld we're like you know in the the real world here going around doing stuff here and then those missions are going to like take us into this alternate world like the metaverse whatever mm-hmm. kind of thing that you, um i don't know what what is the name of the other world in this in this game um trying to remember um it's, it's you know it's been like a while since uh since like going through oh, it yeah but i guess that's fair <laughs> yeah um yeah like, uh, like as far as like the specific terms uh i i like i don't quite remember it but uh yeah it is very very similar though to persona in that sense where like say like in persona 4 you're going into like the into like the tv and like you're in the other world essentially it's that type of thing but there's like different portals that you basically jump into in order to go into this other world and um yeah I, I know uh, as far as like an early uh, story beat anyway, uh, Doe kind of finds himself in that world for the first time. And he's just like, what the hell is going on? And then, yeah, that's that's when, uh, you know, the story starts to open up from there, basically. Yeah. OK, yeah. Alyssa, this character is the one I was talking about. <laughs> Which one? Doe. The, I just posted. No, I, the the one that's just you. Um, oh no! Pretty... I did. I did. I did watch a couple of videos on it. I, okay. I like. I liked the idea of like. Kind, the it, lady? It, 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 <laughs> well, okay. I like her, but I also like that it's kind of like a 1920s cyberpunky sort of. Yeah, there's like a definite noir aspect to it too. Yeah. Totally noir. Yeah, and that obviously speaks with like Doe being a detective himself. So it has right, like a he's like he's like a cop yeah. on the beat. Um, but like, yeah, I like I like the whole aesthetic. I have to say, my favorite the fa- my favorite aspect of this from playing through the um early build of it was the art like i think it's fucking outstanding i Mm -hmm. I really really like the art style for this and it looks really good in motion too like uh which i will say is like sometimes not the case uh with kind of the anime anime style games you know um (laughs) but like this looks really good in like the 3d anime style of it looks good and it looks good in motion so like uh absolutely like visually visually great um yeah, I uh, so one huge difference I, I remember noting from, and I, I have the impressions video for this up on our YouTube channel as well. You can check that out. Um, but uh, one huge thing I noticed was that like you're you are actually are fighting the demons yourself. You're not, we're not like capturing and summoning demons to fight for us. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah, it's very like standard like RPG kind of fare yeah. in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Although there is also uh, this like card game uh, aspect too. It's kind of like a mini game of sorts. Yeah. Yeah. So I got I got into the card game. I will admit the first time. So I, I think this is maybe maybe just an early game bug, but like the tutorial for the card game like didn't pop for me when I was like playing it. Yeah. Same. And so yeah. yeah, like I I played like two rounds of it and got my ass beat, and I was like. <laughs> what the fuck are the rules to this game? Like, I don't understand what I'm doing. And then yeah. like, I, I went and dug through the tutorials and the menus and I read through it and I was like, Oh, okay. So like, I literally no idea what I was doing. And then the next time I actually had pretty much, I actually had fun with it after I knew what the rules were. Yeah. But I, right. I just remember getting so frustrated. I was like, fuck this game. Fuck it. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, totally. Um, yeah. And that, that, that was like one of the main uh, critiques, like in my feedback uh, back to the team when I, when I first played that, um, that build, cause uh, I actually wasn't anticipating like the card game at all. I, I didn't mm -hmm. know that there was like, even like a card game aspect to the gameplay. Um, it's very much kind of like a card battler in that sense. And maybe it's because, um, you know, cause I got that same bug as you um that um you know that was like kind of fresh off of uh playing inscription uh inscription being a, an amazing yes, card battler game by the way if, if i played it great yeah game. it's great so good and um maybe because i was fresh off of playing that that, that you know that i just basically applied my inscription strat you know strategic mind <laughs> to what i was playing and i was able to to win but i felt like the battle lasted too long you know like i knew what the cards did for the most part and I was able to kind of like come up with a strategy on the fly in order to to win my my battle. Mm -hmm. But I just felt like the battle just went, you know, it just it just went on for too long. So that was like a critique that like, yeah, yeah, like just try to make like the battle shorter, either decrease the health or increase the damage numbers or something like that. Um, and obviously, like maybe explain it a bit better to like the user in that sense, yes. too, because like the tutorializing for this part of the game is going to be crucial, uh, especially for people who just aren't familiar with card battlers, which is a lot of people. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I did, I did, I did enjoy the card game enough. Um, but, uh, yeah, definitely. I, I could see some, some rebalancing of it coming in uh, before 100%. the final game comes in, but yeah, no, I, I had a good time with this. Um, music was really good too. I, I noted, um, mm -hmm. I, I, I think it definitely hit the futuristic feel, which I mm -hmm. like. Um, so you yeah, can imagine I'm, too when you're like hearing the music and you're running around in like the futuristic Shanghai and you're going into like all the different little seedy areas and speaking with really, really seedy people and stuff. Yes. And, yeah. So one of my and and this is this has been a thing that I've been like very uh, I don't know maybe loud and angry about for a long time, but like there there aren't um, like I said earlier there aren't a ton of like console quality sort of chinese games you know that come to the west mm -hmm. um they're starting to happen though they're starting right. to happen for sure which is great and like i just i think like more than anything like i'm i'm very very fascinated with like historical china more than anywhere else in the world mm -hmm. um like you know middle kingdom china and all that is like just my favorite like setting and everything but um i just like I'm so excited whenever like a Chinese studio produces like, you know, like a full, a full game that like takes place in some, some sort of version of China. And mm -hmm. like, I can get to like, actually kind of see what it's like there from, you know, from, from their perspective, obviously, like, um, you know, it's, it's, it's one thing if, you know, you have a, um, you know, Ubisoft makes a game set in, in China or whatever, but like, you know, I'd, I'd much rather see like a studio from China, like make something like this where you're in future Shanghai, you know? Right. Right. Um, actually, like, like, like it actually speaks to the identity of the studio. Itself. Yes. Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, I, I want to see. Yeah, I want to see what the, the identity of the city is for the people who live there. And like, mm 
um yeah i think i definitely got that from this one um the the movement on the map was like a little bit limited in the part that i got to play i don't know if it's going to be like that for the whole game um, um it's not planning to be no um there is it's definitely going to open up more obviously yeah. like as you're like playing it but um from what i gather anyway because like you know obviously not i'm not like programming the game or anything but from what i gather from them that's basically like the aim is to have it be like open up and, and and like what you play what i played is very much of a kind of like a slice of what to expect of what this game's going to be about essentially. right okay cool cool yeah um so yeah we can uh probably kind of like uh, uh close it out here but Alyssa, do you have any any questions you want to throw in um i guess maybe like as far as any questions i might have in terms of either narrative design or voice acting do you have like any inspirations or like people that you like aspire to be or maybe you just like really enjoy their work mm. um, call out i mean i certainly enjoy a lot of people's work uh and i and, and i could say I, I aspire to be the best me <laughs> i could say that much um that's a boring I, answer give us a name yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> call people out um Let's see. Uh, as far as I mean, I, I really, really do enjoy Dave Fenoy, uh, honestly. Um, I, I, I will call him out specifically because uh, early on when I was just kind of like just thinking about voiceover here and there. And I was thinking, like, oh, that would be like a cool thing to get around to when I'm not doing 15 other things like you. Like basically, you know, we're, yeah. we're like talking about it as creative. Um, you know, and when I when I originally interviewed uh, Dave with Melissa Hutchison, by the way, too, uh, because it was like for like The Walking Dead, basically, like I, mm -hmm. I interviewed them for my... Mm -hmm. A rinky dinky blog site back in the day you know i reached out to dave Fanoi. He, he 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 like responded and be like oh what if i get the voice of clementine and the voice of kenny in like the walking dead as well i'm like that'd Jeez. be incredible that'd be amazing <laughs> sure. okay, so he, this yeah. guy too what the yeah hell? yeah so he was super kind super accommodating um and even when i just asked him about like just stuff about voiceover and like what kind of like equipment i should be looking at like he gave me very specific examples he laid things out for me like he went above and beyond as far as like you know, basically showing me that the voiceover community really does kind of look out after its own, you know, and it, mm -hmm. is, it is a very, uh, I'd say like kind community, uh, which is, um, at least in my own experience, um, not, not for the greater, uh, not, not in the grander scheme of things, I, I would think, but in my own personal experience, certainly kinder than the gaming industry, <laughs> um, um, in terms of like, actually like, you know, helping each other out and all that stuff. So, uh, I, I really, really enjoy like the, the voiceover industry because of that, and I, I, I attribute a lot of that to my uh, to my original experiences with Dave Fenoy. So, yeah, wonderful. Awesome. <laughs> no, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah. Do you want to do you want to throw anything else out about the uh, the game? I think it's coming in like spring twenty twenty three is what they had told me, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, like right now, like the release window just says twenty twenty three. I know that the team is like aiming for like, you know, early 2023 if possible. But uh, yeah, um, if you heard spring, then spring yeah. is what we'll go with. So. Yeah. Uh, cool beans. yeah, no, it's a uh, it's uh, looking cool. So I'll definitely keep an eye on it and uh, definitely go check out. There's a free demo on Steam right now still. Yeah, uh, I believe so. Let me double check that, actually. Yeah, um, I think that I to my knowledge, the build that I is. played was like an insider build. It's not the same thing that's on Steam. But, uh, um, well, then I'll have to play that, too. <laughs> yeah, 100%. But yeah, there is something there is some d sort of demo on, on Steam available right now. You can check it out for free. Totally. Yep. Um, Mato Anomalies on Steam. Go get it. <laughs> yeah, nice. Uh, real quickly, do you have anything else you want to plug while you're while you're out here? 
Uh, sure. Um, I mean, if you're interested in following me on social media, uh, my, um, yeah. my, you know, my, my handle on both uh, Twitter and Instagram is uh, the guilty man. It's uh, D A G I L T Y M A N. Um, and, uh, if you want to check out my voiceover work, uh, there's my website, David says that.com. Nice. All right. Well, uh, we'll do so. Uh, yeah. So thanks for, thanks for being on. That was actually very, very enlightening. Um, I, I've actually learned something. Uh, yeah, I learned insane. something today. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to check that off as my learning things for this week. Um, nice. Yeah. Cool. No more uh, learning after that, though. No, no, no more learning. Yeah, yeah. We hit the no corner. <laughs> I'm actually, yeah, total, so kind of full up. But yeah, very cool. So yeah, make sure to check us out on, um, you can, of course, uh, our website, gamebusterspod.com. We're on all the bullshits all the stores you can find it the podcast the bullshits aka social media if you're if you're listening to this you've already accessed it so like whatever but we got you we got you yeah um but anyway yeah so make sure you find us there gameluster.com as well for like our articles for our parent site um you know we've reviews news uh all that stuff there um and uh yeah you can find uh me on on twitter at gondizi um and uh Alyssa, you're go ballistic on Twitter. Yeah. Go yeah. ballistic on Twitter and Instagram. Cool. And we're at Game Busters Pod on Twitter as well. Um, we're trying to fire up. We have a, we have an Instagram for Game Luster, which we are. I think Bobby is taking over. Is going to try to like start actually putting content on. So that would be cool if we can get that going. Um, I am gonna. Um, I don't have the numbers yet, but we are going to be at the end of the year, like in December this year, uh, looking for a social media manager to act like an actual like job person mm-hmm. um which i've been fighting for us to get for a year so um <laughs> but uh, i think we're actually gonna have enough money to do that so um nice. yeah if you're if you're interested if you're listening if you're if you have some ex- i'm looking for somebody with some experience um just you know i'm not putting like a number on it but if anyone has any experience with social media managing um you know keep an eye out because i'm i'm gonna be looking for someone to hire for that re- soon up so um yeah, that's that's probably all I got. You know, make sure you check out our YouTube channel, Twitch as well, twitch.tv slash gameluster. We have streams, I think, four times a week now, uh, between uh Emily and Xana and Axel, so check that out for sure. And Alyssa, do you still stream? I never know. <laughs> it's it's been a couple months. Yeah. I'm we'll see if I get back into it. Work just makes me tired. I what about your <laughs> what about your Legion of Fans? My my three hundred my three hundred followers. That's not. I wouldn't exactly hey, consider that's, it. That's like that's like three times that. more than yeah. I have. Yeah, that's it's something. Uh, cool Maybe news. one day I'll go back. I got that Overwatch content out there somehow. You know? <laughs> <laughs> True. You know what? If you just wait around a few months, you might be the only person streaming Overwatch anymore. So. <laughs> right. Got to see the number two on it behind ML seven. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, all right. Cool beans. Let's. Uh, let's wrap up and uh, get out of here. So thank you guys for joining us. Um, and yeah, we'll uh, uh, make sure to uh, you know recommend us to your friends and such. Uh, we need a last word to remove us from this place. Um, <laughs> we uh, I've been on our, our Dragon Busters show, which is we've been doing a House of the Dragon podcast alongside this one. I've just okay. been making we've all just been making dragon sounds at the end of it <laughs> to kind of <laughs> get us out of there. Uh, don't know if that would be super appropriate here, but yeah, we'll. Uh, do you have a, Do mean, you have any sort of a fun quote or something you might from the, from the game? I don't know that you might want to throw out. Uh, fun quote from Mato Anomalies. Um, oh gosh. Um, well. There is like the thief character butterfly. Uh, she makes like a lot of like little yes. kind of uh, 
TV pop culture references. Um, so uh, and oh, and whenever she does talk to uh, talk to Graham, uh, the the shaman guy, um, she always calls him dead face. So so long, dead face. <laughs> 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 <laughs>